Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 104, presented by OptumX Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, as we bring you all the latest news from the ACHA and AAU college hockey. Another busy week in the offseason here. We had the bye week in men's league, and the weather was really nice this weekend. So I took my hockey bag and laid it out on the patio to dry. And my stuff like famously smells terrible, which is very ironic because I wash my gear a lot. Like my hands just smell for hours after hockey. So I air my gear out and a guy on my men's league team was like, pro tip, leave it out in the rain. Like it'll get soaked. And then when it dries, the smell will not be nearly as bad. It's not going to make it go away, but like soak the hockey gear in the rain and then let it air dry. And so I let my stuff air dry all weekend. And then not even thinking like today it rained and I'm like, oh, yes, my stuff's going to be perfect. And then I get picked up by Vin on the way home from work. He's like, dude, I completely forgot about our skates. It's like you don't want the rivets of the skates getting soaked. That's where I'm at. I actually I just got home from work, so I haven't even had time to go check and see what the skates look like. But it's not raining anymore, so I guess they're doing nothing but drying at this point. So no skates might be better than soaking wet skates at this point. But We'll throw it over to Collins because I know he is itching to put the skates on here pretty soon. I am so excited. I, I mean, I've been working out all summer, but I really just started pushing this this past week. I, ha- I had a bit of an existential crisis because I realized, oh, shit, this is my last season. Like hockey keeps me in shape. It keeps me happy. And then I realized, oh, God, like I'll be playing men's league once a week after this. What am I going to do? So I decided to start getting into running. Like, So I decided I'm going to start training for a half marathon in under an hour 45. So hopefully that will keep me busy. But yeah, I'm so excited to get back on the ice soon. Played in a golf tournament with a couple of friends from the office. A little rusty after being off the course for a year. Kind of dialed in as the day went on. Had a really, really great time. Probably like the the most supportive people I, I ever played golf with. Pitching wedge, by the way, probably the the strongest club I got in in the whole bag right now. I was I was very very impressed with myself as as the day went on with that one. Just dialed it in all in the arms, and we kept cooking. What do you like on the golf course? Do you, like I I can't picture you getting frustrated in an, in a public setting. Like what do, what do you do when you have a bad shot out there? That depends. I think that was the most calm and level headed game of golf I think I've ever played, and it was because nobody cared if any of us hit a bad shot at all you can ask alex what happens when i hit a couple of rough drives in a row at the range with the family that is a very very different situation and i can get a little flustered and frustrated about it speaking of golf though herm i just got four free stx golf putters today from work uh do you want one i don't have clubs that's the thing like that that would be the first one in in my bag i guess so that that would work. We'll figure it out. Well, we have plenty of news to get to in the ACHA and AAU college hockey. I want to first start off with our breaking news that we had this week. Every time we post something cool, the comment section goes, when are they going D1? When are they going D1? I didn't know they had a hockey team. Wait, this school has a hockey team. When are they going D1? When are they going D1? When are they going D1? And this week we had the rare... ACHA to NCAA Division Three with our boys at Keene State. And you guys were on the call a couple weeks ago. We were planning out the season, and I said it is not going to be long until Keene State is NCAA Division Three. We got that news broken earlier this week by the Keene State Athletic Department. They announced that in 2024-25, they will be adding varsity men's and women's ice hockey along with eSports. So three new teams on the Keene State campus. We've heard so far, it sounds like they're keeping the ACHA team as well. They've been a powerhouse in ACHA men's division two, the Northeast region specifically, but some really exciting news for college hockey. Herm, first thoughts when you saw this news break, because like, like I mentioned, we were literally talking about this the other day. My first thought was that Murph is absolutely going to freak out about this because this is very much in your backyard. You love the Keen boys. I hate to be a sucker for the videographers, but there's got to be a massive shout out to Rowan Hopkins and Riley Bergstrom at Rowan Hopkins and at Berg Visuals for their work with Keen, putting them on a national stage with some of those highlight reel clips. Like there's a there's a growing trend at this point of social staffs putting those spotlights at a national level. Yeah, I was definitely very excited. And we've talked about when we've had the Keen guys on before, the video guys, Berg 
and, and Hopkins, like they do a terrific job. And if it wasn't for their work, a lot of people wouldn't know Keene State had a hockey team. But you look at the videos and there's 500 plus people in the background of them going nuts at Keene Ice. And that's a rink that honestly didn't even exist when I was growing up. Some comments pointed out Keene State actually used to play in a show barn they would have the cheshire fair in the fall and then after the fair was over they would freeze over the floor of the horse show barn and they would have a hockey rink so there was wooden boards it was terrible ice the locker rooms were small it smelled like cow manure and that was where people in hot in keen played hockey and you know, for the fall months when it wasn't ready yet, they would play it, you know, Winchenden, they played at Cushing, they played all around Central Mass in Southern New Hampshire. Really cool to see Coach Bobby Rodrigue has done amazing things for that program and the hockey community as a whole in Keene. What I'm really excited for, one, they're keeping the ACHA team, and then two, they're actually adding a new conference in NCAA Division Three hockey, which is really cool. Plymouth State, another powerhouse in New Hampshire college hockey. For the longest time, it's played in the MASCAC, which is like Salem State, Westfield State, UMass Dartmouth was in that one, I think. They are going to add actually the Little East Conference, which is what they play all their main sports in, and they're adding hockey. So I believe it's going to be Castleton, University of Southern Maine, Plymouth State, Keene State, UMass Dartmouth. One more that I'm forgetting at the moment. Really cool that that conference is adding hockey. I think as a win, we just want to see good college hockey across the board. And so another Division Three team is certainly a slam dunk. This one, Fitzy, I know from your perspective, you're talking about the notoriety that ACHA guys are getting, but you know how tough it is to, to find a place to play college hockey. From that perspective, like how cool is it to see that they're adding another NCAA team? Anytime it happens now, like you said, we get excited. It's, it's becoming more and more of uh, a common theme that we're seeing. And when you're growing up, it's like that's, that's your, you know, you want to go to college. You want to, when you find out that you can play hockey and um, these opportunities are created for for guys like us. It's it's phenomenal. We think that we're a big part of of growing the ACHA and turning it into more you know opportunities like this. Just another notch on the belt for the boys. And, it, and it's exciting too because it's like a, they have a proven track record of it working. Hopefully, fingers crossed, not going to fall into the category of those Division three schools that we love to rag on all the time too. Which we hope nothing but the best from from the boys at Keene. I also got to shout out Berg and Hop, and I know you mentioned without those guys, you wouldn't know Keene had a hockey team. I wouldn't have known Keene existed. Like being from Maryland, I'm not familiar with a lot of the the small Northeast D three schools besides the NESCAC. Good on them this is going to provide something really interesting on how many of those ACHA D2 guys make the NCAA D3 team because Keen's obviously a, a very very good team I think it will be pretty cool if a couple of those guys find their way to NCAA D3 because I mean as we all know the ACHA is really high quality hockey a lot of these guys just either didn't get the opportunity didn't see the scouts all that kind of stuff and I think we could see a couple guys make that team yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility. It'd also be really cool too because you see a lot of these NCAA programs when they add teams, they recruit you know eighteen freshmen, sixteen sophomores, and they call that the team. And then it kind of like messes up recruiting because then you're not recruiting anybody for a while, and then you're bringing in new guys, and then you get guys getting cut every year. It would be interesting if they took some of the leaders on that Keene State team. You know, they've been at school for a while and made, and put them in roles to be leaders of. A, a large group of freshmen coming in, which could be real cool and is a lot more realistic than look at Binghamton, for example. They're going to get Division One college hockey, and I, I don't expect any of those Binghamton AAU guys to make the jump to the NCAA team. And it's definitely not a Lindenwood situation where you know it's coming well in advance and you can recruit top-notch NCAA players to just play a year of ACHA hockey. I wouldn't. I, it would also be kind of wild if we see guys who are looking to play college hockey next year and they're looking for a place to play, and it's like, hey, I'm a fringe NCAA D3 guy. I'm going to go play at Keene ACHA for a year in hopes of making that team as a sophomore. So definitely something to keep an eye on, but Keene State always has been and still will be on our radar. On a more somber note, we want to transition here, and this is always tough when, when we get the notification when something like this happens, and we immediately want to just reach out to our friends over at the Stevenson ACHA program 
and the Stevenson Athletic Department as a whole. We send our condolences to Eric Bennett and his family. Stevenson player passed away this weekend in a car accident. And, you know, we, we would love to talk about it and send our condolences, but nobody summed it up better than Coach Ergo himself. He wrote in a post, this is a post no coach should ever have to write and something no parent should ever have to experience. I am devastated to share that earlier this morning, Eric Bennett died in a car accident. Eric embodied everything that it meant to be a Mustang on and off the ice. He loved the boys and this program just as much as we loved him. No words can express the whole we feel right now. I'm in contact with Eric's mother and ask that we give her and her family time to process and grieve. In the meantime, if you would like to help, we've started a GoFundMe with her permission to help ease the burden and we will share any services and arrangements once they are available. Signed, Coach Ergo. And that link to the GoFundMe is also going to be available in our link in bio at Hockey House Pod. Collins, you're a Maryland guy, so this one stings a little bit closer to home. The Maryland hockey community is so tight. You you grew up and, and we're in contact with Coach Ergo. I just want to let you have the floor for a bit. I personally didn't know Eric, but like you said, the Maryland hockey community is is really small. I'm only about 25 minutes from the rink Stevenson plays at, and I know a lot of guys on that team, so I'm praying for all those guys. It's a bit tough to realize that we're all young and you don't really think about it all that often, and I haven't been affected personally yet by the death of a friend, but it's always heartbreaking to hear this kind of news. It's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. We, like I said, want to send our condolences to the the boys at Stevenson as always that link is in our bio. If you'd like to make a contribution to the GoFundMe this weekend, there was plenty to, to keep busy. It, it felt like everybody had their eyes on Oppenheimer or Barbie and trying to put a fun ACHA AAU college hockey spin on this thing. We were looking for teams with the best pink jerseys, you know, posted photos. Liberty obviously had the Hawaiian shirt pink jersey, which I thought was a, a good one. The rest of them were all breast cancer jerseys. You had Colorado Mesa. Theirs remind me of almost like a pink Whitney jersey, black with the pink trim. Kutztown had a nice one, white with the pink ribbons across. Arkansas, Marist, Drexel, throw Syracuse in the mix. Uh, we William Patterson was in there as well. Alabama had a good one. So I feel like pink jerseys are almost kind of a staple in the ACHA and AAU college hockey. It seems like almost every team is trying to get them. Indiana, too. forgot them on the list. They have a pink jersey now. Kentucky had one as well. And again, just another reason to, to come play with us on the fun side of college hockey. We get a little more uh, into it with the specialty jerseys, it feels like. Another cool thing we saw this weekend was I think everything college hockey deserves the credit for this trend popping up. Everything college hockey posted a bunch of, they did a collab post with Bleacher Report, Open Ice, and it was like NCAA 24 video game covers. Sure enough, that caught the eye of Brayden Loge, who, friend of the pod, is transferring from University of Southern Maine to Kentucky. He runs the Beer League Beauties pod. I joined him a couple episodes ago, but he hopped on the trend and made a bunch of ACHA covers. We did a collab post on it. Sure enough, we got Cincinnati joining Purdue joining plenty of teams giving a shot at these covers. I wanted to point out one that was very notable notable and my favorite on the AAU side of things was Delaware did a bunch of retro ones. I don't know if you guys saw that, but they had like the Game Boy design, uh, the old PlayStation, really cool perspective. And I thought it was a little more original than the the other covers. But Herm, am I missing any ones? There was a bunch of teams hopping on the bandwagon this weekend. Yeah, EMU and UNC both took a stab at it as well. Yeah, the I mean the UNC one with the photos. That's that's tough to beat. A couple stick taps in hand this weekend. Great article from Robin Wark of the BCHL Network.ca on UNLV's own Matias Delmont. Matias had stops in the BCHL, MJHL, and NAL in juniors. He was originally committed to Utica College, but transferred to UNLV. He played with the Rebels last year. He had 18 points in 25 games. Good little write-up on him. Also wanted to give a shout-out to Indiana head coach Matt Grinda, who is leaving IU for a position with J.P. Morgan Chase, and to spend more time scouting for the Waterloo Blackhawks in the USHL in two seasons as the associate head coach at Indiana. Total the record of 47-15-1. and Two TSCHL playoff championships and two nationals appearance for the Hoosiers under his record also wanted to give a shout out did you guys see this one cameron shabbat spent four years at indiana tech and he is going for a fifth year at kentucky we threw this up on the story in four seasons with indiana tech he had 163 points good enough for 60 goals 103 assists he was the indiana tech male athlete of the year last year four years with the warriors 
And where else is he spending his fifth year but going down to Lexington, Kentucky? I can't imagine. I, I actually saw this and was like, maybe I should have done that. Four years and then go take a fifth year somewhere like Lexington, Kentucky and play in front of all those people going nuts. Shout out to Cameron, wishing him nothing but the best of luck at Kentucky. And without further ado, we have a great interview this week. We sat down and talked with the assistant AD for communications and creative content at Tennessee State University. His current admin for the hockey team right now. Nick did an awesome job kind of walking us through what his job is like right now, what the future entails for the TSU Tigers and their hockey program once they take to the ice in Nashville. And as always, this one is brought to you by Optimex Sports. Optimex Sports provides team the opportunity to build and manage their own website. Nobody does it better than Optimex. They are signing up club lacrosse teams, rugby teams, college hockey teams. Everybody is hopping on the train. It's because they are the best at what they do. If you're interested and want an easy setup with people who understand how club sports work, head to optimexsports.com slash signup slash hockey house pod. They recently signed up Cornell, their AAU college hockey team, Oklahoma rugby and Texas tech rugby hopped on the train, but be sure to check it out. If you have any questions too, shoot us a DM. We work with Optimex all the time, knowing the ins and outs of how the website works. We're actually working on one ourselves right now, so be sure to check them out. Without further ado, we'll turn it over to our interview with Nick and learn more about TSU hockey. We're pleased to be joined by the assistant AD for communications and creative content at Tennessee State University, Nick Guerrero. Nick, welcome to the Hockey House Pod. What's up, guys? How are you tonight? We're psyched to have you on. I can't imagine what the last couple of weeks have been like for you since the news broke that Tennessee State would be the first HBCU to add college hockey. What what has that been like for you? I'll be honest with you guys. It was the greatest secret ever kept in sports. We had been talking about this for quite a while. So Tuesday night when Ryan Clark breaks the news on Twitter, I said to myself, oh, this is, this is going to get real. Like this is going to get crazy. And on purpose, I didn't charge my phone that night. And we all work in sports. Like you, oh, like everyone's sitting on the gram. Everyone's sitting on, on Twitter. Like you, you're charging your phone because you never know what's going to happen, right? And I happened to wake up at 5 a.m. And the first person that called me was Al Jazeera TV. So just think about that. And that's how the story starts. Well, our story starts on that Tuesday night. We had mm-hmm. just finished recording the podcast. We checked Twitter as soon as we we're done. Because like, you know, we, like any show, you, you make your notes and you hit the notes. And as soon as the notes are done, you close. And then just like you mentioned, the first thing we do is we check Twitter. We check Instagram and see what we missed while we were talking for an hour. Did you guys see the tweet about Tennessee State? Like, we've all known for, what, a couple of years now that Tennessee State mm-hmm. was exploring adding hockey. And it felt like we hadn't heard anything for a while. And now all of a sudden we're like, wait a second, this, there's an article from February that says that they're in serious talks about adding this. And it's like, we sat here, it's 1130 at night. And we're like, should we post something? And, and, and nothing from ESPN, nothing from bar down, nothing from everything college hockey. And I remember sitting here, it was, we literally had a round table discussion. Like, do we post something right now? Like, is, are we getting punked? Like, what are, what are we doing? And then Herm says he's going to bed. Little do we know he's going back and forth with you and the DMs because TSU hockey follows three people. It's what the NHL, Oprah, mm-hmm. who was the uh, who was the third one, and then it was the Hockey House Pod. We were on the Mount Rushmore of Instagram follows right from the jump. But what was that day like for you after that? Like you wake up, it had to have been one of the craziest days you've worked in a long time. Well, so the funny part was, you know, so this conversation even predated me at Tennessee State. So this whole thing kind of started around twenty, I guess twenty twenty, I guess like January twenty twenty one, when our AD um, Dr. McAllen kind of took over. And the president, Sean Henry, is a Long Island guy, by the way. Uh, they talked about doing this like, okay, can we have college hockey at an HBCU? Like, is it feasible? Could it be sustained and all that stuff? And they said, yes. So this whole thing has been kind of going. And, and I'll tell you guys an insider on this one. We're going to make the announcement actually at the, the outdoor game in 22. That was the original plan. And we all, everyone just kind of pulled back because it wasn't, you know, right place, right time. But that was the original run was going to be Eddie George, obviously played for the Titans. He's our football coach at TSU doing the ceremony of puck, but then taking his jacket off and having a TSU hockey jersey on. Disney, you know, I'm all about the Disney, the Fifth Avenue and stuff like that. But when we all kind of talked about it, it was like, eh, we, we just didn't have everything like our ducks went in a row, right? Talking with you guys that Tuesday night, essentially kind of like, I teased it a little bit. Like, I didn't give you guys too much. That was the fun part. They're like, hey, can we break it? I was like, yeah, let's wait a little bit, a little bit. And then, like I said, Ryan Clark did it. Um, no, Wednesday was crazy for me because not only am I the person running the team, but the NHL also wanted me, wanted TSU to manage the press conference because they had the draft, right? 
So it's like, hey, we're going to allow you guys to do the press conference at Bridgestone in the draft room at 3.30. And the Bedard pick was two and a half hours later. In my mind, I'm like, okay, there's like 25 people here. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. Every media member in the NHL was there. It was to the point where the, the room they had us in, they had, the, you know, maybe 20 chairs or something like that. And it got to the point, it was sold out. Like there were media members from Canada there, everyone just kind of watching. And I'm on the stage going like, what is going on here? Like, did someone now tell everybody what's happening? It, it was just a blur. You know, I'm up there doing like, I'm seeing this and everything. It was crazy. You know, like definitely an experience that we'll never forget at TSU, but also one of those experiences that like in my mind, I'm like this is gonna be 10 people. Like no one's going to care. Like it's not, it's, it's club hockey. And that's kind of like the world that we live in. It's like, you think like, Oh, NC state, UNC, they're playing a club hockey game outdoors. Like, Oh mate, they'll be, if they get a couple thousand, that'd be cool. Right. Oh wait, they got 24,000 people. What say that again? Right. It, it is the coolest thing to watch. And it was really cool to watch that all go down on that Wednesday. But I want to rewind for a little bit. I'll toss it over to Herm and have you walk us through your background. So Herm, take it over. So Nick kind of uh, came in guns blazing even before the podcast recording, dropping his recollection of the fact that I was a, a New York Rangers memes guy. I get to have my Westchester moment here because you worked at WVOX, which is my local radio station, New Rochelle, as the host of the Dr. Dan and Friends and the Rob Variety Hour. One of our favorite guests, Mike Grinelli, also came from a radio background. Talk about what that was like, kind of in terms of preparing you for the world of sports. So it's kind of weird. That whole thing, uh, to have that whole kind of the whole thing started oddly. So I went to St. Francis in Brooklyn, right? Team that just dropped college athletics, you know? And I was doing radio there and I met Dan Miller at a Hofstra game. And someone just started, he just started talking to me like, oh, I do this, I do this. I'd love to have you on. You do, you're doing radio and TV in New York already. And it just kind of became like educational show. And he's like, I need a sports guy. You seem like you're a sports guy. I became like the update guy. They weren't doing, you know, you know, WFAN flash updates or whatever. And it was two hours worth of radio. They just needed a sports guy. And I just kind of became the sports dude and would fill in time and time for some of those guys and stuff like that. But my biggest thing is because I was doing, I was doing hockey play by play Manhattanville when I went to grad school there. And then I was at Iona doing basketball. So that was kind of like the whole Westchester neuro thing for me. But yeah, that was kind of like, I guess how I got started on re real radio um, was, was, was doing that with those guys. And then, you know, they're doing more radio up in New Hampshire. Uh, when I was at Dartmouth. How did that transition? Like you went from radio and then you, you get involved in the, the SID world because like you were in Manhattanville for a little bit, right? And that was that kind of like your first introduction to college hockey? So it's kind of funny. Like I was always in the media relations world, right? So that was kind of like how I kind of got started. I was so doing like media relations stuff in St. Francis, Brooklyn, but also doing radio. It kind of was like it just, they were all together, right? So then like went to Manhattanville, uh, as a grad assistant, handling hockey there, but also doing play-by-play -play for them as well. And it's just like one of those things, like I was always doing media relations, I was always doing radio. So it's like, they got two for the price of one, every school I worked at, essentially. You know, so instead of hiring to hire somebody, they would just say, oh, Nick will do it. And speaking of that, oh, Nick will do it. We dug up uh, an SVG article about you completely overhauling Manhattanville's broadcasting system as a 23-year-old. All of us are are very young professionals working in the, uh, in the sports industry and trying to cut our teeth, make our name. I got to know about the horror stories of trying to modernize that system, I'm sure, on a shoestring budget. Well, not only on a shoestring budget, but it was also a D3. You got to think like most division three schools back in what, this is 2009. Everyone was either doing like internet radio. No one was really doing terrestrial radio. Not many schools were doing actual like video streaming, like full four or five camera shoots, you know, the full play-by-play -play graphics and all the nine yards. So when I got hired at Manhattanville, it was really because my background, I started at St. Francis, the first HD broadcast for non-Power uh, non 5. Going to Manhattanville, the athletic director at the time was also Keith Leventhal, who was the hockey coach. Pretty much like, you can have whatever you want because hockey's got to be our bread and butter. We were playing at Rye Playland and everyone knows Rye Playland doesn't really have much amenities to it. So he kind of said to me, like, how much do you need? I'm like, 10 grand. And at that time for a Division three school, like, that's a lot of money. We were able to do it. We ended up working with PAC Network, who was originally started out of like Northeastern and BU. I brought them down to purchase and, and kind of bought their equipment, you know, bought the equipment from them, ran the show and everything. The article then came out talking about how here's this 23-year-old that just put a Division Three team on the map, essentially, from, from a broadcast side. The other thing that they didn't talk about was we were the only team doing terrestrial radio in Canada because all the Canadian hockey players and a lot of their parents, for some reason, like back then, they weren't able to get the 
streams over the border. A bunch of the players from Saskatchewan, we found out a way that their radio station would call into the, the WMVL at Manhattanville, and then I'd get be able to get the stream out that way. So we just, it was just one of those like throw it against the wall and see what sticks type of deal. Wow, that is unreal. I, I saw the part in the article where it's talking about Canada, and I just figured it'd be like a couple of Ontario kids, maybe a Quebec kid playing at Manhattanville, but getting it all the way out to Saskatchewan is something. Yeah, we had a kid that transferred in from Maine from like Yellowtail, I, I mean, all the way up north, you know? So yeah, so that was like one of the things that was like the biggest, and that's how we made money. You know, thinking about revenue, we were making revenue from that because these radio stations were having to pay us to get the signal and to be able to, I guess, illegally do it. Because back in then, back in the day, you weren't able to get like the ESPN pluses in Canada. Same thing now, like if you're the like ESPN ha- kind of has a, a geo block essentially for anything in Europe. So that's why like these, a lot of these other like sidearm websites that these athletic departments have have to do a separate video broadcast to get it to the international feed. Well, not only that, ESPN Plus is blocked in Canada. So like Liberty University, all the Canadian guys, they have a completely different stream. And then I think Minot State as well has a completely Mm -hmm. different stream for Canada as well. So it's interesting to to see how you did that. Well, and then it's not quite Canada, but your next journey was up to New Hampshire where you got to work at Dartmouth, which is where eight-year-old Mackenzie Murphy thought he was going to be playing college hockey. What was that like, you know, making the jump up from the Division Three level, you and, you know, heading up to Dartmouth, a well-known Ivy League. So it was kind of interesting. So I got hired there once again, rebuild. So this is when the Ivy League digital network kind of started, right? So this is when all these conferences started having these conference packages. And same thing with Dartmouth. They were kind of mom and pop shopping it for the, for the, the, the previous times. And they were using like NSN. I'm sure you remember McKenzie NSN, like the TV, the regional sports network up there. My high school right. hockey games. Yeah. When we, when we played against mm-hmm. Berlin. In hockey, right. it was on NSN. So their deal was like, okay, we have to do this Ivy League network, but there's a station that kind of wants to work with us, so let's map it together. And that was kind of the, the deal I brokered with, with them to be able to get it on there. Like I said, I was living in New York, and at the time they had hired a women's basketball coach. She was from New Rochelle and had known me when I was at Iona through Tony Bazzella, who was the basketball coach there, and brought me up, um, me and a bunch of other you know Italians and Greeks and stuff like that. But no one happened to warn us that it snows a lot up there especially in Hanover, which is in the Valley. My first year was like 120 inches of snow. And I was driving, I had a sports car, I had a Hyundai Elantra sports car, right? I'm, I'm sliding all over the place, but it did give me the opportunity to kind of work with some great people up there. And the, the, the very famous Dartmouth MIH Twitter accounts that Pat Salvis ran, I was working with him on a lot of that. And, you know, it gave me an opportunity to learn a little bit more on the social media world, right? So we're doing all the video, you know, doing the radio and TV and media relations, but that's kind of where the, where like the journey to social media for me now starts as well. Yeah. And that was something in, in doing our research, I had no idea that you had the keys to that account. I mean, if you were on hockey Twitter, I want to say like, what was it like 2013 to 2015? Yeah. Like, and I I was probably a little late to it. I was following along in like 2016, but you were there from the beginning, like Dartmouth hockey, Twitter was trolling college hockey teams. The way you see the golden Knights troll other NHL teams. They was trolling before it was cool for team accounts to troll. And, and Herm, you work in, in Utica where that's like kind of the thing too, like trolling other teams, like walk us through because you didn't come from a social media background and all, all of a sudden, you're controlling the voice of a college hockey team. Pat really had the keys. I was kind of the the, the DJ playing music, sitting in the front seat type of thing. You know, I, w- I would be the dude egging him on. Of course, you know, Pat being from up in New Hampshire, so he kind of grew up in that area. Me being like the New York City idiot would just be like, oh, just let's just let's just say this, let's say that, and people are like, uh, all right, you got to remember this is an Ivy League, so you know we got to be suit and tied and everything. I'm like, no, we got to be a little bit like funny and stuff like that because we're, especially you know Dartmouth hockey let's be honest, wasn't the greatest, right? They weren't, you know, they weren't winning the IVs. They were barely winning the Ledyard. But how do we get followed? How do we get people to see us? Like, yeah, you know, Tanner Glass wins a cup in Pittsburgh. Ben Lovejoy wins one. That's great. All the guys that kind of came out of the Dartmouth program. How do we get people that don't understand, you know, here's this team that wears green. They don't have a mascot. They just have a color, you know? And we were just kind of one of those, like, let's just be, let's just be idiots and see how far we can go with this. No one ever stopped us. And then it's kind of funny now looking at it after Pat left, it just went downhill for them. Very vanilla. It's just like every other Ivy. But it kind of allowed us to just push the envelope and stuff like that. Pat went to Quinnipiac and he was even chirping them. And, and there were times that other teams would try to chirp Dartmouth and they're just like that, that one hit or like the next play would happen and like, like kind of like the Vegas Golden Knights. 
you know, we were the original ones that would be like one nothing. If we were losing, like we would just be like so saucy about it. Like we were just, you know, zero one. What are your thoughts on not posting a score graphic when you lose by a lot? All right, here's a funny one on that one. So I've actually learned, and I don't know if you guys follow Auburn men's basketball. So Auburn men's basketball, when they played Murray State, so now down in Nashville. So Murray State didn't post a score when they got the crap beat out of them. Every team they played going forward, they would trash them. I kind of learned a little bit about it until finally the guy that's running like called me and was like, hey, look, I know you have nothing to do with this, but we are going to annihilate you because the team that we just played who's in your conference wouldn't put up a score. My side of it is like, you know, a game happened, the game happens. You know, put up the score. Like you get you get the crap beat out, you get the crap beat out of you. If you have a coaching staff who's cool with it, you can have fun with it. At Tennessee State, we lost we lost to a D2 team, right? Eddie George is our football coach and like everyone was pissed. We still on social media had fun with it. Like, oh, sorry, we lost there. But hey, we got your money. Like, hey, people came to the game. <laughs> like, you know, we had a little backlash on that one. But social media is fun. Like, let it be. You know, people take it too serious sometimes, especially if you're a team account. Like, sometimes GAs are running it. Sometimes students are running it. Sometimes, you know, 36-year-old guy, white guys are running it. Yeah. A lot of the guys listening to this podcast, a lot of the guys making this podcast right now were the players running. Like, play, right. a lot of the guys are going to listen to this and then they're going to play in a game one weekend and then they're going to get on the bus and they're going to make the ground themselves. So it's, I think it's cool to hear from you because especially at the club hockey level, it's a lot of students doing this type of thing. We really want to touch on the Tennessee state hockey stuff, yeah. but walk us through, how'd you get from Dartmouth to Tennessee? Like fill in that gap for the people listening at home. All right. So I went from Dartmouth down to DC to American American university for a couple of years to run men's basketball for them. Same thing, kind of rebuild their social and stuff like that. Uh, had a cup of coffee at GW, but not long enough to finish the cup of coffee. And then COVID happened. Got out of the industry completely. Ended up working on Wall Street for a bit, doing business deals and trades. I get a random phone call on a Saturday night sitting at a bar. I always say, whenever someone calls you, always answer the phone, right? So I get this call. It's my athletic director, Mickey Allen. It's like, hey, are you Nick, right? I'm like, yeah, he goes, I heard you're the hottest free agent in, in college sports right now. And I'm like, Okay, like, move. Like, what do you want, man? Uh, Eddie, we just, Eddie George is our football coach. Uh, the PR person didn't really last long. It's week five. Um, you want to come do football? And I'm like, no. Calls me back. No, seriously. Like, we need somebody to be in the in our in our thing. Do you want to come and be our PR guy for for football? My girlfriend at the time was from here, so I was like, okay, let's move to Nashville. Whatever. The only other time I had been here was as a drunk Jets fan. And we all know what that's like when you're when you're the visiting team fan showing up here. You don't remember much of the trip, especially when you were a Jets fan back then too. Eddie George calls me and says, hey man, I need somebody. I'm like, man, this is Eddie George from the Titans. Like, that's kind of cool. Part of the conversation is my athletic director says, I, I see you have some hockey thing. Hey, we want to be this the first HBCU to add hockey. And now I'm like, oh, now you're really being pumped, right? Like you first you want, it's like, it's almost like the, the joke from like Goodfellas. It's like, now you want me to, you know, now you want me to christen your kid? you know, pay the bill and stuff like that. Took the job, came down here and been running ever since with it. Was with coach today at a media day, but this whole hockey thing is like, it's been two years of trying to figure it out, working with the NHL, working with the Preds. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot that's in the hopper that maybe within the next month or so people will hear about. We're moving right now. I'm trying to get a coach. I'm trying to get somebody to run my operations side of it, talking to players and trying to get some players to come play for us. Um, I will say this though, not knowing the club world and you guys are going to think I'm an idiot, but like, I didn't even know that there were like between ACHA, the new, the college South league, there were so many different rules. I didn't know the difference. Like for instance, like in D and ACHA D one, like you got to wear suits every game. And then like in D two and D three, completely different world. They're fooling you with that stuff. We, we ACHA D one, we got away with track suits on the road. No, it's a confusing world because Herm puts it the best. You have ACHA hockey. When people think club hockey, they think ACHA hockey the same way. When you say Zamboni, people think Zamboni, but they're, are other brands of Zambonis, we just call them all. You know, it's like right. tissues and Kleenex, right? They started this new league, AAU College Hockey. People still are trying to figure out what that is. And their biggest league is College Hockey South because they get a lot of those SEC schools. People go, oh, wait, like South Carolina has a hockey team. Georgia has a hockey team. Like, I want to buy a jersey. Oh, wait, they're not varsity. Like, what? How does that work? But they get your attention. You know, Tennessee is the same way. Vanderbilt has a team as well. Middle Tennessee also, those are teams that we highlighted in Tennessee already. So it is the Wild West. It is the jungle. It is whatever you want to call it because they're, no matter where you go, it's going to be different at every single school. Well, that's kind of part of it too. It's like, you know, so we've had conversations with both commissioners of both leagues, you know, just see where we fit in best and everything. 
And it's definitely interesting hearing from both how their styles of play are, how they're playing, you know, the types of players they're getting. You know, I think they were saying like in, I guess, the new AAU league, like Binghamton is going up to D1 from them. But then you look at like ACHA and it's like you've had like the Penn States, the Lindenwoods, the Arizona States and stuff like that. So for us, you know, we're just trying to figure out, do, you know, the ACHA is part of, you know, USA Hockey with with AAU. It's not, but it's AAU. So it's like, you know, the largest amateur association out there. So we're kind of like playing on both sides of the, of the, of the coin right now. You mentioned, so that, I'm glad you touched on that because that was one question a lot of people have had. And it was the same way, like when the news broke, there were people reporting that, oh, TSU's going club hockey. And then they'd put like, we'll play in the ACHA in 2024. We had to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Pause on that. AU college hockey and ACHA, two different things. But touch on the the player thing for now, because I'm sure it'll be a lot easier once you guys know what league you're going to play in. But from a recruiting standpoint, what does that look like recruiting for an HBCU right now, especially in the, the hockey world where maybe people of color don't feel as represented in the game of hockey right now? And, and it's changing over the years and obviously adding an HBCU is going to improve that thing. But like that's got to be a challenge for you from day one, right? It's not. That's the, that's the funny part. It's not going to be a challenge for us to get players. And here's the reason why. Think about this, right? So if there are, say, 500 kids registered between USA Hockey and Hockey Canada that are, are, are minority status, right? That means I got 500 kids I can go after. No one else is going after them. So I can't. So it's like, it's like I get the pick of the litter, essentially, um, which is great for us. Now, yes, the question has been brought up by a lot of, you know, parents I've, I've spoken with and even some players like, all right, are you going ACHA or you're going to go the other one? The interesting part is, and I didn't know this until having both conversations, but, you know, Tam- University of Tampa plays in both leagues. Why not? Right. You can play in both leagues and essentially as long as you get your 15 or 16 games in ACHA and your whatever amount of games in the other in, in Hockey South, you can do both. Um, which allows you to be independent in both and play whoever you want. So, you know, like right now, like we're exploring everything, you know, uh, putting the schedule together right now. If we were to do both, I can get 30 games easily. I mean, most of the schedule for next for the 24 is done already. I'm just being honest with everybody. Like that's kind of where we're at with this. Like we we've only like we're what a month into this. I mean, everyone has reached out. So going back to your original question with the players, I don't think I'm going to have much of an issue. I think the only issue I'm going to have is getting kids into school because remember, they're not getting scholarships, number one. And then the second problem is going to be a lot of some of these other schools have very high endowments and kind of a lot of high academic scholarships where I got to figure out from the university what I'm going to be able to kind of get. And the one biggest thing that I, I found from talking about league is like no athletic at all. They cannot have any athletic money. So in my mind, and I've talked with our athletic director about this, like I was going to kind of pull the old like, well, they play golf and tennis and hockey players play golf and tennis. Well, play golf and tennis and then just play hockey as as a club athlete. Right. Um, Well, apparently you can't do that. But the good thing, too, is that in February, the All-Star Games up in Toronto. So Toronto has a very rich history. Toronto, Greater Toronto, you know, Scarborough, Markham and all those uh, Thunder Bay and stuff like that have a really big legacy of minority hockey players. Scarborough, you've got, you know, the Stewart brothers came out of there. Kevin Weeks came out of there. Uh, Mark Fraser came out of there. Madison Bowie, guys like that. They're actually having a minority All-Star Game during the week up there. So they're bringing all the best you know, black and brown hockey players into Scarborough and having an event there. Well, checkbox for me, all I literally got to do is walk around with the signs. It's Tennessee State Hockey, like with an arrow pointing down, like, you know, we're going to get the transfer portal. I mean, I've had a bunch of players say, hey, man, we'd love to come play for Tennessee State. We'd love to come to play for Tennessee State. You know, my son, you know, has always dreamt of going to an HBCU. Well, now you can't. For year one, you know, it's going to be those types of kids. You know, if I can get me, if I can get 20 to 25 players, you know, right off the bat and then have a couple kids for tryouts, you know, that's going to be it. The other thing too, there's a big showcase here in Nashville um, in August. I'm going to go down in my backyard and find players. We talked as well a little bit about the timeline of seeing this idea come to fruition. What kind of challenges did you and the staff had to overcome in, in bringing it to, to life? You know, I think the biggest challenges, um, I think anytime you look at it from an HBCU perspective, there's always going to be funding, right? You know, we've seen Ed Reed when he tried to go coach at Bethune-Cookman lasted a week. You know, like I could say at least I lasted more than Ed Reed did, you know, without, without kind of losing it on people from that perspective. But I think the biggest issue we're going to have would be the funding and what we're starting to do and have been the reason 
that we're going to go club first is so that we can kind of do that crowdsourcing, not really the GoFundMe style, but reaching out to influencers and donors and people that are seeing our story that kind of want to, you know, give back to an HBCU. Um, I've had parents, I've had random people say, hey, my two kids played hockey. I think your story is great. Here's a donation. Working with the local national community, working with the Preds, working with the NHL. You know, obviously their commitment to this um, is important because it adds diversity to the sport. Um, it also gives black and brown players a safe haven place to go where, you know, like you guys were talking about before where, you know, maybe they play on a team right now that's 90% or 95% white. You know, maybe they just don't fit in. So now we give them the opportunity to come play for us. You know, whether they're playing at a junior team, whether they're playing at a high school, you know, playing for another club, or even if they're, you know, playing at an NCAA level that they just, you know, they were scratched every game so they didn't get to play, you know, now we give them an opportunity to come play. Are there any individuals at those kind of high level organizations, whether that be the Preds, the NHL, College Hockey Inc., anyone like that, that you want to kind of spotlight? as being kind of champions for DEI? So I think we'll start with, you know, obviously Kevin Westgarth, you know, is a VP of um, business development with the NHL. So he's our liaison to them. And with that, then you got, you know, Mike Snee, uh, Sean Hogan, um, and Jason from College Hockey Inc. You know, I talk to those guys religiously, you know, whether we're bouncing ideas off each other, going over budgets, you know, even getting recommendations on guys that we should be talking to for these positions. You know, I think from the Preds, you look at Sean Henry, who's the president of the team, and guys like Bill Wicked from their marketing department. Um, there, there's a guy on the Predators, or used to play on the Predators, that I need to have a conversation with. Um, he hangs on ESPN a lot. I'm not going to name drop who it is. You know, I, and I'll even say this, Anson Carter uh, from TNT. Like, Anson and I have known each other since he played for the Rangers. And he's been a really big friend, you know, to try and bring this together um, for, for quite a while. You know, there's not two days where he's not texting me going, hey, what's the update? Hey, what's going on? Hey, what's going on? Even before we announced it. And actually, he was the first person I called to tell him that we were doing this. And I literally thought he was going to like jump through the phone. So just seeing guys like that um, have just been tremendous. You know, we were at the, uh, the NHL uh, awards show and then there was a post party uh, and speaking with some of those guys like Joel Ward, uh, Madison Bowie and stuff like that. And asking those guys like, you know, when you guys were kids, if there was an opportunity to play at an HBCU, if you weren't going to Canada, would you have done it? And a lot of them said yes, you know, or even the opportunity to go to a all minority camp. Seeing the NHL and a lot of the players kind of coming through um, has been has been tremendous. You know, the day before we made the announcement, they uh, we were at the uh, Players Inclusion Coalition, right? It's a minority-run group. So, like, I mean, it's funny, like, Ryan Reeves is there. Sam, uh, George LaRock was there. I mean, that dude's still big. You know, like, Anton Carter was there. Uh, Alan Toy was there. These guys, like, were all in for this. Like, they were, you know, hey, whatever you can do, give us a call. Hey, we'd love to be, you know, lend a hand, be a voice, whatever. So we've got nothing but just tremendous, you know, responses. And I'll even say there's been a bunch of D1 teams that have reached out to us. You know, there's teams that have said, like, we want to be game one for you when you go play, when you go to Division One. Even on the club side, like, uh, there's a there's a team that has already said, like, we will be game one for you. We will play you in Nashville. Like, we will travel to you just to play this game. Well, that's what I want to ask about is game one. And I think I know what team you're talking about that reached out and said, we'd love to be game one. What does game one look like? Because you're talking about all the all the support that this team is, has built up. And I imagine that it would be way too many people to fit inside the Ford Ice Center. Is there been any conversations about what the home rink would be like for the team? So that's kind of where we're at right now, just trying to figure it all out, you know, between Ford Ice and Centennial you know, less than a mile from campus. That's where the Predators have their practice facility. You know, between one of those two, we're going to, that's probably where we'll play club. You know, our goal at Tennessee State is to build an arena. Our university's master plan is to build kind of a Quinnipiac style arena where you've got a basketball on one side, hockey on the other. You know, we don't want, you know, like Omaha has got the flip stadium. I don't want to have to keep flipping over a court and, and ice. I want to have two separates um, so that our team can, can you know, properly have the, what they need. You know, it's, and I think that, that that's kind of the tough thing, too, and having those conversations. Like, you know, I look at like what LIU did and what Sacred Heart did back in the day when they were playing at municipal, like just community center rinks. You know, like, I don't want to do that. I want to be able to, to, put, to put our team in the proper place. You know, the one thing about Tennessee State that's interesting that not a lot of people know is that we, for the last, I guess, 30 years, have played all of our football games at Nissan Stadium where the Titans play. You know, so we're, you know, we're one of the only FCS football teams that are playing at a, at a 65,000 seat stadium. Have I tried, have I had those conversations with the Predators about maybe playing some games there? I'd love to, you know, we, we, we've had those conversations and could game one be there because it's it, how big it, the potential could be. 
Um, but even when we go into, you know, NCAA division one status until we have a facility, you know, I want to be able to play at a place that looks like a, looks like a college hockey arena. You know, I, I remember, you know, like when you look at lead arena and, and, you know, for Dartmouth and, in you know, you look at that college hockey feel, like we'll have that at some point here in Nashville, but I don't want to go into like day one against whoever we, you know, whoever that team is for, for the division one world and be playing at like a kid's rink with like 400 seats. That's not what we want to do. Talking about atmosphere though. And it was a, a big part of the, the TikTok that we had uh, that our good buddy, Tim Kalinowski was a phenomenal star of, and that's the TSU band. Are we planning on seeing them at any games uh, in the inaugural season? Yeah. I mean, that, that just, that just comes with the territory. So it's funny. Say it was a OVC big South media day. One of the things that people were talking about is like, you know, what makes Tennessee state, like what makes your school great for teams to come? And we were like, you ever been in a game where the band plays through the football game and doesn't stop and will take this penalty. I mean, that's Tennessee state. Like our band won two Grammy awards last year. You know, they're the first ever university band to win a Grammy award, not just one, but two in the same night. So the aristocratic bands, like they, I mean, they go hard. Like there's, there's, you know, and if anyone's never been to an HBCU game or even an HBCU homecoming, you know, the fifth quarter, I mean, that just, it's literally, so the fifth quarter is a half hour post game where the band just goes and has a concert on the field and people won't like, you know, usually people are leaving people that are in the parking lot that never came to the football game will come into the stadium with like a minute to go in the fourth quarter or a minute to go in the second quarter just to watch the band play. I mean, that's, 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 the, that's the great part about it. Coach George kind of got a, a little bit of a rude awakening in his first home game. The halftime, it's 15 minutes. Well, the band played for 25 minutes to the point where like the referees are like, okay, y'all got to stop. And they're like, no, this is our show. Flags and flags and flags. I think we started the second, we started the third, like kicking from the 10 yard line just because, but that's the thing Like that's just what the band does. And that's what makes them so great. And the atmosphere is so great that we've learned we can't play a conference game on homecoming because then if it's a non-conference game, we can just say, okay, it's like the Super Bowl. It's going to be a 40 minute halftime and it is what it is. It's going to be interesting. That's why I don't, I want to play at a facility that's large enough for the band because when they play at our basketball arena, which is a 13,000 seat facility, you can't hear yourself think like the walls rattle when they play and they don't just bring a pep band. They bring all 300 band members. So just be prepared. You know, I've played with a band playing. It was the, what, uh, George Mason green machine. Oh, they were yes, solid. yes, 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 yes. Yeah. More of a, they were more of a, a, a little pep band though. Uh, and they were still loud as hell. They, they brought the energy. But I'm really excited to see what an HBCU band uh, will bring to college hockey because I've seen the Morgan State, the Magnificent Marching Machine a couple times. I'm only about five minutes from the campus and they would occasionally drop by during our high school football games. And the energy HBCU bands bring, unreal, whether it's you know the movement or the dancing or just the noise, it's on a different level. Genuinely, just like so much fun. I've never been like a, a marching band guy i play one instrument and that's guitar but like the hype is real i'm so excited to see this so i really hope we we see the band out really bringing full force i mean i'll even i'll even throw this one at you guys too so last year for homecoming dude towards acl during the show and kept going like that's how big it is for them like there's no stopping what like these bands do right I give them tons of credit. Like they're not through athletics, they're through like student activities. They got to raise their own money. And if you think about it, they're bringing like the whole band with them. That's a lot of money to have to raise. They played the Rose Bowl one year. They played a Laker game. They played the, after they won the Grammy, they played one of the Predators games uh, for Black History Month. It was interesting because obviously, you know, you go to an NHL game and it's a predominantly white crowd. They were getting standing ovations. Like everybody in Nashville knows who AOB is. They Between them and like, Sonic Boom, which is uh, Jackson State's where, where Dion was, like those are the two bands that people go and pay to see. The other fun part is, so there's um, the Southern Heritage Classic, which is down in Memphis, which was TSU versus Jackson. It was the battle of the bands. Like they would have a parade just for the bands. Like nobody cares about football. Like the football wasn't even part of like the, the parade of the game. It was just the band for both schools. Like Eddie's like, oh, okay guys, Eddie George, like, hey, this is awesome. Like we're, we're playing football and Dion's looking at the same thing. And everyone's like, yeah, no, I'm just going to the field, like what the band play. So that's like what HBCUs are all about. Not to say the athletics isn't there, but everyone comes for the pageantry. You know, not only that, but you're talking about being at an HBCU for the band. The outfits that people wear to games are like ridiculous. 
everyone comes dressed to the nine and it's a party. It's like, it's like going to like your family reunion every Saturday, something that I've never been a part of in the Northeast. You know, we could say like, yeah, you know, you go to a hockey game and everyone goes for warm ups, and it's like, you know, 10,000 people and this and that. But like, no, I mean, they're, they start partying at like 5 a.m. Like the tailgates are ridiculous. And if you don't, and everyone knows everyone. And on Fridays, they do the fish, you know, they do catfish Fridays and you have to go. And if you don't go, then they want to know your business. But that's one of the things that just is so great about being at an HBCU community. It's, it's family. Like it's family before anything. You talk about the outfits. Makes me think, I feel like with what you've done just in your time behind the scenes with TSU hockey, feels like you're playing franchise mode in NHL. And you started out doing radio, you worked your way up to social media, and now you are running a hockey team. The best part about franchise mode for me, though, is designing the jerseys. And I want to know, is there talk about designing the jerseys? Have we already seen the jerseys? I've seen the photos. I didn't know if that is that a mock-up for the time being, or is that something you guys are working on? Okay, so that jersey, which is like kind of blowing up, it, it, it was a, it's a $6 jersey. Like literally, that jersey was a $6 jersey that we had made two years ago when we hosted the Black Hockey History Tour. We needed something to have that day. And it kind of just became like, oh, that's a great jersey. And we're all looking at ourselves like, we got it. It was like a mock jersey we got from some from like this company, Troy, up in Hull, Quebec. Everyone's like loving that jersey. And I'm kind of sitting sitting back and going, well, wait, could that be like the throwback jersey? Like, could that be like that original, you know, jersey, you know, that teams wear like every once in a while, like the 77 Rangers jersey or like that, you know, 19, the St. Pat's jersey with the, that the Maple Leafs will wear, you know, every couple of years or whatever no so like the jerseys have so the jersey situation right now is we've actually we are an under armor school so we're going to work with under armor to make the jerseys um aaron quinn who's my graphic designer um who design if you look at all of our graphics for football and even for hockey he's the guy that does all our stuff like yeah i mean he he's a grad assistant kid played college football got hurt and just learned how to make graphics and like the kid he's going to be an all-star in this industry but we've got like five or six that we're playing with some that are over the top and I'm talking like over the top, like crazy. You ever think, okay, so you guys are, you guys are going up, but like, remember the old like football letterman jackets? Think of that as a hockey jersey. Crazy. Like we, like I let him, I was like, dude, give me like 35 different ideas. Right. And he came up with some of these like wild and crazy ones. Like I was talking to Anson about it. I was like, it's almost like when the Kings were like those LA Dodger jerseys, just to, like, it's just fun jersey night. We're just, we're kind of doing different things, seeing what, what works. Like I kind of want, I mean. I want to be traditional. I don't like the crazy jerseys. I just want a basic hockey jersey. I, I think sometimes people go over the top with them. All I think of sometimes is like is like that is the Dallas Stars Bramable jersey, the Mike Madonna jersey that everyone thinks is like the dumbest jersey ever made. Like I don't want to do that. The motorist jersey. Oh God! Like yeah, like I, I think sometimes people get a little carried away with it. I think just looking clean. I mean, I say to everybody like we're just gonna be the Rangers. Like we are clean. Like it's a clean jersey nothing over the top it traditional just give me a tsu logo on it give me a white jersey with blue and red on it or something like that and i'm good to go you talk about drawing design inspiration from the rangers are we going to potentially see a predators colored alternate jersey at some point so someone actually brought that up of like could we do that and stuff like that um actually the con- we were trying to have this conversation before the nhl kind of shut down and kind of became the well, i don't want to say the no fun league nfl style but like we had talked about making one of the warm-up jerseys, a TSU jersey for them to wear. Um, last year, they they had for Black History Month, um, they made a, a, a Black History Month jersey. And we were like, oh, how cool would it be if, you know, next year the Predators wore a TSU jersey, you know, like to kind of support us and kind of get the businesses going and stuff like that. Things that they can't do, but could we do it the other way around? Well, there is a TSU hat with the, like the Predators uh, mark in TSU colors. That they gave out last year for giveaways. Could it happen? Sure. I mean, I don't think we'd go like mustard yellow jerseys, though. Like nothing against it, but maybe bring that 09 alternate, the navy ones back, the checkerboard. Those have been talked about. They, they, there's definitely been a lot of conversations of different types of things we can do. I mean, I we even talked about the the original Preds jerseys, like that like weird silver, you know, David Leguan jersey that you're like, it's kind of weird because it looks like it's you know, like silk, like silk like bed like silk bed sheets type of thing. But no, we've had a lot of conversations of different things we want to do with the uniform, have fun with it. I mean, we're gonna start selling jerseys and stuff like that because everyone wants to buy a jersey. Like, you know, we just we just gotta do it right. We just don't wanna like I don't wanna rush things because then sometimes you rush things and something goes wrong and we'd I'd rather wait a couple seconds to, or a couple minutes and days to do it right so our fans are happy about it. That's that Thomas Vokun chemo team in an era predator right there. 
even yeah, it's even like Mike. Uh, was it uh, Mike? Mike Dunham before he came to New York. We're gonna have some fun with it. You know, I think this is another thing too. Like being the first HBCU to do it, there's more eyes on us than if Belmont did it. You know, or you know, if St. John's did it. You know, I think that's something that we're gonna have to take serious, probably a little more serious than some other schools may do it, just because of the amount of eyes on us. And if HBCU hockey is ever gonna happen, it's only gonna happen if we succeed. And speaking about those eyes on you, we noted the lack of a negative response and an overwhelmingly positive one from the overall hockey community when it came to the announcement. I think back as a hockey fan over the course of my life, seeing slurs thrown at Joel Ward, P.K. Subban, Wayne Simmons on social, to see the absence on that was a welcome surprise. Speak to to how far the hockey community has has kind of come to get to this point today and and how you see those DEI initiatives actually making an impact moving forward. Well, and I think that was part of the conversation that we originally had is that let's make no joke on a white kid from New York City at an HBCU, right? It is what it is, right? But I think for what Dr. Allen, our athletic director, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to build is that, you know, Tennessee State is a school for anybody, right? I know it's an 80, 20 black students to white kids, you know, type, 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 type of school, right? But what we're trying to do is we're just trying to make this place inclusive for everybody. I was telling you guys before, like Tennessee State fans are interesting, right? So Tennessee State fans aren't Monday quarterbacks. I love our fans. They're Sunday evening quarterbacks. If something goes wrong, the message boards are going to blow up. Twitter's going to blow up. Like PSU madness is going to go. I think the hockey world has completely changed a little bit. I think one of the things too that led into that week and you know when we kind of sit back on it is like okay so monday jason mccrimmon wins the willie o'ree award um jason's out of detroit uh, running a, a minority club team there tuesday they announced the pic for the you know, the players inclusion through the nhlpa and then wednesday becomes us right not to say that those other two initiatives weren't important but we were the biggest story of it and i think it just shows where the the world is going and that fans are embracing what we're trying to do at tennessee state i think even the city of nashville too like they're embracing it like they are i mean we had people at the draft after we made the announcements so we, we had the press conference my staff and i i took them out for drinks right like made the announcement like we're going out for beers on broadway we're literally sitting in there and we have like our we end up making these like tsu hockey t-shirts right q my guy has a has the, the printing press at his house so like we just bought a bunch of like under armor t-shirts he made did them that day like no one knew we had them uh we had polos that we gave out to a couple like build like bill douglas from nhl.com been a huge advocate for us so like we he got the first like tsu hockey you know gear and we're literally sitting at a bar and on espn they're breaking they're doing the breaking news on another one and people just start going like crazy and like we're just looking at each other like are they cheering for us type of thing so the city like i said the city's all for it from a fan's perspective and from a fan base perspective we're not just looking at the north nashville fan base we're looking at the city you know i think that's the other part too so obviously you know black ice came out and you know it, it talked a little bit about some of the injustices and you know i got to read the book when this whole thing started happening and, and the frosty brothers who wrote it um, another set of long island guys um so shout out to long island once again it's a great story if you like read it from the lens of like black ice is essentially what nhl is today for you know the way that they played that game is the modern game right now you know they weren't using the flay have flat sticks you know they, they elevated shots they were die. you know they were they were um, blocking where you know when you look at the current like the nhl back then there was you know the flat sticks and, and the wrist shots and no one took slap shots and the goalies were weren't worried for their lives back then are we gonna see some backlash sure it's gonna happen we're gonna go to the barn in the south and someone's gonna say something stupid you know because even like for football like we deal with it with football there's some places that we go that our fans don't travel to and that have brought concerns to us in the administration like hey we don't like going here because they put us in the upper deck section you know or they put us in like the fan seating is like you know not premium seating or they don't allow us to buy premium seats whatever so like we our fan base still does go through that but i think our fan base is also kind of championing this new idea of like hey it's not baseball it's not soccer it's not swimming why not like what's the worst that's gonna happen right it's something new and and if we win like Dang, if we think about this, like if we win, people are going to kind of like, people are going to shake their heads like, wait, they did what? And that's where the story keeps going. If, if I can, if I can get the right people in place, the right coach, the right, you know, scouts, you know, just, just the right mindset and the right people, give us a couple of years. We're not Michigan, but we're better than LIU already. We're better so, than Sacred Heart right now. I'll play anybody. Like that's the thing. I'm, I'll play anybody right now. 
Like I, I chirped at Notre Dame because we're playing them in week one in, in, in football. I chirped their hockey ground and I was like, hey, let's let's play. I'll meet you at Touchdown Jesus. And like, let's go. And I'm like, I have nobody to play. Like, it looks like, like my staff. I'm like, I right, look like we're playing hockey guys. Like, we're doing a lot. I'm like, I kind of chirped the wrong person. So we just want to play. Like, we just want to put a team out there and just play the game. Nick, as we start to wrap this up, you talk about the story, and this is going to be a heck of a story someday. It's a heck of a story right now, but like, what does this next chapter look like? You mentioned that there's some bigger news coming in the next couple months. What are you working on in the next couple of weeks? And, and what are the next steps? So kind of it's like a day-to-day thing. So it's like, you know, having having conversations with very, you know, high people in the college hockey world, you know, put together the staff, you know, like, for me, Buzz has got to be there. I have to, you know, I want to hire somebody who is known in the industry. I want to hire a coach that someone's going to sit back and go, oh, like that, that, that's a splash. You know, Dion was a splash. Eddie George was a splash at Tennessee State for us from a football side. I want to put somebody behind the bench that is, is a face, someone who TV cameras can follow and say like, you know, hey, this guy is well known. I've joked with PK and those guys. I was like, you know, I'd love to get like someone like that to coach. And I was like, yeah, but I'd love to get somebody who, if we go on Sports Center, that the general fan will know who this person is. 10 years ago, if you said Deion Sanders was going to come back and coach an HBCU, like people would have thought you were crazy for saying that. I mean, hell, Eddie George says it. When we first hired Eddie George, he said it too. He's like, man, this is something like, it's crazy. Like, why would you call me to coach a college football team? You know, he's done really great for us. That's Eddie being Eddie. You know, like everyone, you know, when, when they kind of get that first question, it's like, but you want me to do what? You want me to coach where? I feel like I've never, like Dion at least has, has done some coaching. Like what I love about Coach George is he's just humble about it. Is that like, I've never coached before. Okay, sure. Why not? Last question here. And I think, I think this is an easy one. I know it is going to be a hot ticket in town, but can you save the hockey house pot a couple tickets for opening night? So here's what I want to do, right? So I kind of thought about this, like, I want to bring every media person there and I want to have an open access media day. I'm not saying you guys can broadcast live during the game, but like I want people to come to the game, set up your show and kind of do like a Super Bowl media row. Like I want people doing like shows leading up to this game with all these interviews that we've done as the announcement happens. Like I want this to be a party like Nashville's going to throw a party on Broadway and it's going to be TSU hockey night. We can't wait. It is going to be so exciting. And Nick, thank you so much for joining us and and giving us the ins and outs because it's new, exciting. People have a million questions. And if people have a million questions, you must be doing something interesting. This has not stopped ringing, by the way. It's it's like being on the draft floor on on draft night or, you know, trade deadline day. But yeah, no, we're excited. You know, we're excited to do this. And, you know, hopefully everyone comes out and sees what we're putting together. And, you know, hopefully this is a positive for the hockey community. Once again, thank you to Nick for joining us this week. Really cool to get the inside look at Tennessee State Hockey right now, the first HBCU school to add a hockey program. It's going to be an exciting time in the hockey world when the Tigers take to the ice for the first time in Nashville. We cannot wait for that. Question of the week. This one comes from our friends at Bleacher Report Open Ice. They posted this earlier on social media today. What is the coolest hockey-related item that is in your home? I'll throw it over to Herm first because he collects so many hockey jerseys. He's probably got the biggest jersey collection of all of us right now. So I got to imagine it's a jersey, Herm. Easily. And this is just out of what's in Utica right now. If I had to think about the overall collection spread across downstate New York, uh, it might be something even cooler, but it's a Connor McDavid Erie Otters on ice authentic CCM jersey. Snagged it and it is going to stay in my collection for the next 25 years. Uh, Hope to get it signed by McDavid one day. Ultimately for when he goes into the hall, it'll be framed in my office, living room, wherever as just a piece of hockey history. Yeah, that's that's a really good one. Fitz, I mean, you you bring the bobbleheads every week on the camera. What what do you got for us? What's the coolest piece of hockey history you have in, in your house? Uh, it's got to be Gordie Howe game signed puck. The crazy story of how I, well, not really crazy, but a weird story of how it was obtained. Every Christmas we do a like a white elephant game. You know, it's usually a gag gift kind of thing. And my uncle threw in this Gordie Howe signed puck. And one of my cousins like opened up one of the presents and it's a Gordie House signed puck and he doesn't play hockey at all. So he had no idea what was going on. Me and my brothers just stayed like super quiet because you can like steal gifts in the game like you trade. So we waited until like the last round and we took the puck from him. He had no idea like who that was or anything. Gordie Howe, uh, one of the best, Mr. Hockey. That's like the worst is you got you're sitting on the best gift and you just have no idea. You trade it away. 
Collins, what about you? What do you got? What's like the best hockey themed thing in your house? So I originally said it was a Phoenix Copley signed like hockey stick turned bottle opener. It's like a game used. It's like the butt end of his goalie stick that was turned into a bottle opener. But I just realized when I went to Austria in like ninth grade, I got an authentic Red Bull Salzburg jersey. And it is so sick to wear at parties. Being the guy with the Red Bull hockey jersey, it's it's so, so sty. It's so good. Wow, that's unreal. Uh, and from Austria, right? From Austria. I had to think about this one because my dad has collected so much stuff. I think I've, I've talked about this in the early episodes, but like my the Murphy family basement, we call it the locker room because when they redid our house, like we had it built with shelves that could fit hockey bags. Once we got older than... 16 the hockey bags did not fit on the shelves anymore but there's like a jersey rack too so there's a lot of really cool jerseys when the murphy family wiffle ball tournament breaks out everybody's got a different jersey on we have a, an og whaler starter jacket which is really cool like especially since like starter jackets were like making a comeback a couple years ago i was like ah. We got better than that. I in my room at home, I found like cleaning out the storage, like we call it the unfinished room at my house because it just never got finished. So we just store a bunch of stuff in there. Also in the basement. Found a signed Ray Bork photo, which is really cool. Had that in my above my bed for a while. But I gotta go with the New England classic. I, I don't know like just like the power that Bobby Orr had on New England in the seventies. There's hockey rinks all over the place now because of him, but since then, I swear every hockey family in New England has a signed photo from Bobby Orr of the famous Bobby Orr goal and him diving across the ice. My family, for the longest time, as soon as you walk into the kitchen, it's just framed right there on the wall. And you could talk to any other Massachusetts kids, especially. It's the signed Bobby Orr photo. And you could you could look at Bobby Orr and be like, oh, like, why do you do that? Why do you sign so many photos? Like, if everyone has one, it's not that cool. But it's like, Italian families like have a picture of Jesus like hanging up in the kitchen like in New England they just have signed Bobby Orr photos in the kitchen so that that's my it's not that cool if you're from New England but people outside of New England don't get the sign the signed Bobby Orr photo is a must in the kitchen that has to be one of the greatest comparisons of all time Italian and, and Irish families have got Jesus New Englanders have got Bobby Orr it's true I mean it's like you, they're like wait why wouldn't you have that in the man cave and people in mass like what are you talking about? It's Bobby Orr. Like he's put, he's going to the fucking kitchen. We got a fucking picture of Bobby Orr in the kitchen. That's that's my masshole accent. Had to turn that on for a little bit here, but want to keep it quick today. So we'll wrap it up. But Herm, you're you have picking up pucks written down, and it's a shout out that I want to make sure we give. So I'll turn it over to you. Easily biggest stick taps of the week goes to Lord Diamartino, European traveler, but still put in ten plus hours over the weekend for some incredible, incredible behind the scenes hockey house work that could truly changed the future of this page she is such an absolute asset to what we're doing here at the hockey house and uh, we are incredibly incredibly lucky to have her support propelling us forwards huge shout out to Laura. and before we go there was one thing i want to mention if you haven't checked out the roosevelt locker room tour video on our social media and their social media they must have hired a professional group to come in and do like a recruitment style video of their rink and their locker room setup would believe it was the former home to the chicago steel they have a one of the best setups in the acha really goes to show like the facilities that these teams have and it makes me think back to the the days of robert morris good old bobby moe in chicago and the days of the CSCHL, everyone's favorite team might be back. So we'll leave you with that little teaser here at the end of the episode. Some news in the hockey world and ACHA fans in the Midwest are going to have a lot to be excited about this upcoming year. So we'll leave you with that teaser because we think almost certain we're going to have breaking news for you next week. So keep your eyes peeled on social media this week for some big ACHA news. But as always, follow us at Hockey House Pod, Twitter, Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. See you, boys. Yeah.